Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today we will be talking about Operation Heal Our Patriots. The sunshine is finally out here in Boone. We've had constant rain for a couple days, so it's a beautiful day, and I'm really excited to have Pat Fleming in the studio with me. Pat serves as our aftercare manager for Operation Healer Patriots. He is responsible for the ministry's efforts to follow up Care for Life for the military couples that have participated in the marriage enrichment experience at Samaritan Lodge, Alaska. Pat actually began his career as a funeral director and served as a professor of mortuary science before God called him into the ministry. Some fun facts about Pat is that he was a bouncer at a disco and he met his wife, Karen, in kindergarten. Pat and Karen have five daughters, two sons-in-law, and one-year-old granddaughter. Thank you, Pat, for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share about what God's doing in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into Operation Healer Patriots, um, I just have to ask, what drew you to mortuary science as a career? Um, main motivation for it was that we did numerous funerals for my family when I was growing up, and it was the old Irish wake. And it was one party after another party after another party. And I decided I could run a party as well as anybody, and, and it just seemed to be an interesting mm. area to go into. And so once I got into it, I realized how little people really knew about the funeral profession mm-hmm. and and what was done and uh, – and I know God had a plan through that. Uh, originally, I thought, too, if I could go into it, I could become a mortuary officer. I'd get a degree, go into the service. My uh, mom served during Korea. My dad was in uh, the Pacific during World mm-hmm. War II. My brother was in. So I just thought it was a natural progression. But uh, uh, then uh, falling in love in college changed the door. Mm-hmm. So, And so... You had a career, you were striving towards something, and then the Lord led you into ministry. How did you make the switch? Yeah, it was interesting because uh, my wife and I both were social Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the funeral business, you have to know people to bury people. Mm-hmm. Uh, she came out of a Methodist background, I came out of a Catholic background. Uh, she actually, when we remet, at 17, I got thrown out of the house because we didn't allow Protestants in our home. Mm. And so we continued on. We both practiced our religion. And it was great for the funeral business because we went to the Catholic Church and then we went to the Methodist Church and we knew a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. But also part of the funeral business, uh, you got to go to a variety of churches and hear messages, funeral messages, and you could see the difference between uh, funerals where everybody's grieving and not having a clue Mm -hmm. and funerals that were an absolute celebration. And so after managing a funeral home in Ithaca, New York for nine years, I felt God's call upon me in a different direction. I had just become a Christian. I resigned from all of the social organizations because uh, coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden I realized cultural prejudice that I had never seen before. And so the Holy Spirit kind of awakened my heart to uh, not allowing minorities into the clubs that I was part of. And so I resigned all those. I continued to serve in the community. 
but then uh, received a call from a college up in northern New York to come and direct the mortuary science program there. And so I was a professor for nine years. Mm. And then while I was a professor, I, I only worked eight months out of the year, so it allowed me to do studies. Mm. And uh, uh, one morning after doing a funeral director's event in Lake Placid, New York, we were going through the motions of learning the new Catholic funeral rite, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this church filled with priests and funeral directors that God needed a man that wasn't just going to go through the motions. And that's when I found my call to pastor, hmm. to enter in. And so I went back and I fought with it for a while because I was a tenured professor. I just had been teaching at that point for quite a few years. And uh, the same time that God was dealing with me, God was dealing with my wife and uh, um, both of us ended up in the same pa uh, passage in Habakkuk, talking mm. about how long will you live in your paneled homes. And mm. we had a home built in 1820, 50 quarts of raspberries out of the backyard. And uh, it was time, God said. And so I, I prepared for ministry. And eventually, as I kept, district superintendents kept saying, hey, will you come pastor this church? And every time God would ask me, what my motives were, and I, and I told him. Mm -hmm. And then he'd say no. And then finally I got a call for a little church up in the Adirondacks, and God asked me what my motives were. And I said, I don't have any other than serve you. And he said, okay, you can go. Mm -hmm. So I took a 80% cut in pay, moved four kids at the time, and my wife into a 700-square-foot parsonage in the Adirondacks for... Uh, and, and we never regretted it. God just blessed us. And uh, that began my ministry as a pastor. And so it was, uh, it was really special how God used that time for us to grow together. Mm -hmm. And so then how did you come to Samaritan's Purse? Well, um, from the church in the Adirondacks, eventually I went to pastor a church in Amherst, New York, and I was pastoring there, and every seven years, my denomination gives you a seven-week sabbatical. Hmm. So uh, I've always tried to expand my daughter's understanding of the kingdom work. And the first two weeks, I uh, took them to Haiti, and we worked in an orphanage in Haiti together. And, and it was a, a very interesting experience to do that with them. It was an orphanage that I'd taken many trips to before. So we did that, and when I came back, I had five more weeks to go, and on a pastor's salary, it was kind of like, how do I spend these five mm -hmm. weeks? You really don't want to do church, but you want to do something else to kind of uh, refresh your mind. So I called Samaritan's Purse, talked to North American Ministries, and at the time, I was also an RRT chaplain, and uh, we were fighting fires in... Mm -hmm. uh, in Colorado, and I called and said, look, I've got five weeks I can give you. I'm a pastor, RRT chaplain. Is there anything I can do for you? The person on the other line said, hey, let me give you a call back in a couple minutes. And he called me back. He said, would you ever consider going to Alaska? Hmm. I thought, well, this is cool. We have a brand new ministry just started called Operation Heal Our Patriots. Have you got any experience in the kitchen? <laughs> 
And I said, I can work a dishwasher as well as anybody, and I do cook. I know my way around the kitchen. And so I uh, got an invite to go up for 30 days to Alaska, the first season of OHOP, and, uh, and I cooked. I did, uh, I did dishes. I, I slopped the pigs and, uh, and just served in, in whatever way. And I actually uh, – was the only ordained pastor up there besides our teaching chaplain, and uh, he had a death that he had to leave early in a week, so I actually had to finish out a week for him with communion for the couples. And so it was special. And uh, and then after that, uh, I had gotten to know Franklin, and he had discovered that I did what was, I called an aftercare ministry for funerals. I would do about 150 funerals a year for people that died without pastors. And I would use it to build a bridge between them and, and real Christianity because so many were beat up by the rules and regulations. They didn't know where to turn, but they wanted hope. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would speak to them and deal with them. But then afterward, I would call the family six weeks after the funeral. I would call the family on the birthday of the deceased. I would call the family if there was a, the anniversary of the deceased or if there was a wedding anniversary. And so that was kind of the follow-up care I did. And when uh, Franklin heard that, he said, I need this for my veterans. I want to make a commitment to follow them for life. And so I want an aftercare program so we can follow with them. And uh, after a combination of events, I decided that uh, this is where God wanted me. So I came and started the aftercare program. So before we get into the aftercare program, um, for some of the listeners listening, I know Operation Healer Patriots is a fairly new ministry starting in 2012. Can you just give us an overview of the program and kind of what the week in Alaska looks like, um, but then we'll get into the aftercare as well. Okay. Uh, what we do is we take 10 couples a week for a 16-week season, and they go up to Alaska. They come in on Sunday evening, have a meal together, and, and, and kind of get everything put together for the week as to uh, what's going to occur. Uh, Monday morning, the first activity we do with them is devotions, followed by putting the couples in a kayak together, which that's pretty exciting and it's pretty revealing. Mm -hmm. In the midst of that, what happens is we find out how their communication skills are because if you're not communicating, you're not going in the right way. But then all week we give them experiences where uh, we call it putting tools in their, in their toolbox for their marriage. We do uh, classes and, and reinforce family systems, reinforce uh, love languages, reinforce things all week long. And then in the midst of those, we're giving them experiences such as bear watching, fly fishing, teaching them to tie flies, uh, hiking. And, uh, and we do this for uh, a variety of injuries. I mean, we often have... Uh, uh, double amputees and, and sometimes even triple amputees, but we're set up in such a way that we can minister to them and walk through it and, and just help them to find answers. And of course, the ultimate answer is that Jesus Christ needs to be the foundation of their marriage. And then built on there uh, is where you will be able to find true healing as a couple as well as as a family. 
And so one of the distinct aspects of OHOP is the aftercare program. Can you share what this consists of and what you all do for these couples? Because it is for life. Once they come and attend the weekly retreat, they're a family. Yes. Uh, Normally, aftercare calls them 10 days before they go up. We do that for multiple purposes. One, making sure they're still going. Mm -hmm. But two, to introduce the program. And uh, we have a weekly prayer list that goes out. And uh, they're on there if it's their birthday, if it's their anniversary, if it's their Alive Day. Now, the Alive Day concept sounds very spiritual, but it actually is a traumatic day. It's the day when they've been blown up, they've been shot, they lost a limb, and they probably lost battle buddies. And so we're always praying for them on that day because of the survivor's guilt and other Mm -hmm. things that go along. But we kind of introduce the ministry to them there. We say, hey, we're going to get you up to Alaska. We don't want to just pat you on the back, say thanks for your Mm -hmm. service, and send you on your way. Uh, We're going to be with you and resource for you and help you any way that we can. Now, most of the couples don't believe us. Mm But a week after they return from Alaska, we will make another call. There's a series of contacts that we make with them, specific. Uh, The first call after they get back, specifically, if they've made a commitment to Christ or renewed their commitment to Christ, we want to get them plugged into a local church Mm -hmm. because we are not their church. And we want to make sure that we find a fellowship that we can put them into that hopefully is military-friendly and and be able to work with them in that way uh, because this is when the discipleship begins. Now, we've had couples that have accepted Christ on the first initial call before they ever got to mm-hmm. Alaska. We have couples that accept Christ when they're up there and renew their vows. We have couples that will accept later on at reunions and other events that we have. But it's all about planting the seeds and then discipling them and getting them plugged into the local church. Uh, We make sure that everybody has a significant contact, and we've got database that tells us when someone hasn't heard from us. Uh, We have 37 secret private Facebook pages, Mm -hmm. and uh, one for all of our couples, one for regional couples, We have one for wounded women veterans. We have one for OHOP homeschoolers. We've got one for sales and services, so everybody can sell their oils on there instead of bugging us on the regular one. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, We've just got a lot of specific sites that we've seen their needs and we minister to them. And so over the year, uh, we do thousands and thousands of contacts. Uh, We're over 1,000 couples now. Mm -hmm. Every year we bring up 160. And so we just continue to try to meet the needs. Aftercare also consists of crisis care. Uh, When there's a death, uh, we respond immediately to be there with the family. If it's a spouse or if it's a child, we respond immediately to be with them and support them and love on them and help them any way that we can. Uh, We're there in the middle of the night if there's a suicide threat and... and, uh, uh, if there's anxiousness or whatever, we're there to pray with them and support them any way that we can. Hmm. You mentioned suicide and tragedies. Um, how has God used your time as a funeral director to prepare you for this role? Well, some of the credentials that you get in life are not necessarily book-bound or, or from uni- the university in your degrees. Mm-hmm. Some of it is just life experiences. Mm-hmm. And so in the midst of that, uh, God has given me the experience not only as a funeral di- funeral director, but also as a pastor. And so mm-hmm. when a death occurs, 
I can walk in and give them specific advice as to decisions that they're making, how to make those decisions. Some, you know, many people die in one place where it really isn't their home because of the transitory nature of, of the military. And they may be buried somewhere else. And so it's important that they only use one funeral home instead of paying two service charges. There are also other aspects to consider about the uh, mode of transportation, type of uh, uh, disposition, uh, military uh, cemetery. Uh, There's just a lot of choices. And then there are some other uh, particular aspects that you can deal with and supporting families doing things that they necessarily don't want to. And, and so I've been there to be able to uh, uh, the site of death and, and be able to walk in and make sure that it's appropriate for them to come back to a home if there was an issue there. Uh, a lot of different variables uh, that I can get involved in that mm-hmm. uh, my experience allows me to do that. Mm-hmm. So another special aspect of OHOP is the strong evangelical component. And you talked about a little bit about um, couples getting baptized, coming to know Christ while they're in Alaska, marriage rededications. Um, God has just blessed this ministry so much. And I know I know many couples personally that have gone through and just been radically changed. Can you talk about the impact this program has made on the, on the couple's lives? It, it's absolutely amazing that right from when they get off the plane— they sense the spirit. Mm-hmm. And as, as they walk through the week, you watch the transition and the healing that occurs. Uh, I remember this was back before I was on staff and I was a volunteer. I remember walking down the uh, boardwalk holding uh, the slop bucket for the pigs. I just finished feeding the pigs and a Marine came out of uh, the cabin and said, hey, chaps, what have I got to do to be baptized? Hmm. And it was like, uh, just a second. And I said, let me go clean up and I'll come back. And we brought him back to the chapel and we talked with him. And the guilt that he had was so overriding because of some of the things that he had to do. And, and it, it just, he couldn't believe that God could forgive him. But after a couple hours of working with him in the, uh, in the chapel there, he received Christ and the forgiveness, and he was baptized that week, and, and I've kept very good contact with him, and he's growing, and he's found a freedom that he could have never found without Jesus Christ. And so as his family grows, uh, he's in a position to help them and lead them, and we see this constantly that uh, there are some couples that have had divorce papers filled out mm-hmm. and they're ready. This is just their last hurrah and then they're going to go back. And, and, and yet over and over again, because of the influence of Jesus Christ in their life, they just make a new decision, start anew, and they transition from what the government has called them as injured veteran and caregiver back to God's intended husband and wife. And so that's so important for them to reestablish the God-given roles and not the government-given roles. Mm-hmm. I love that because I feel like a lot of these guys didn't choose to get out. You know, their identity yeah. was taken from them. Um, they didn't want to get out of the army, but injuries, you know, made them have to. And so for them to be able to heal, and I know in Alaska we've been there, 
It is just so quiet. You know, everything stops. You don't have internet. You don't have distractions and noise. But then they go home, and reality is it's noisy. And what do they do with this new life? And that's what we love about the aftercare program. Um, So tell us a little bit about how you guys are able to walk this new life, this new journey, this new identity that they all, some of them find in Christ. How do they come home? Well, they come home, and and especially if they've made commitments to Christ and they've renewed their vows, uh, as we often know, when you have a mountaintop experience, sometimes it gets real tough. Mm-hmm. Afterward, I think that we're challenged by Satan and uh, wants to tell us it's not real, wants to tell us that uh, uh, you haven't changed. But yet, we come alongside with... Uh, with scripture, with materials, with other things that try to support them and help them. We direct them to the local church. We also try to create a network of our our alumni Mm -hmm. to be able to welcome them home, support them, connect them there. And then we just continue to build into them in different ways. We do use Facebook as an educational tool. Uh, We were finding in the early years that between Veterans Day and New Year's, there was a significant number of suicide threats every week. Veterans Day, they'd go on the internet, they start smack talking, and even though though they know the freedom in Christ, they start remembering what they did. The holiday period, they get into that, they're in crowds, they have alcohol, drugs available, uh, ornery uncles, and, and they get into all these things, and we were realizing the stress that was putting on them. So what we did was in October, we begin educating and talking about triggers and talking about don't go on the internet on Veterans Day, stay away from it, have a plan when they do their holidays, have a code word with your family, have a time limit so that you're there and, uh, and just be aware of your circumstances uh, all the way to New Year's, even when uh, you're dealing with the fireworks and the Uh, effects that might have on your PTSD, create a safe environment. Mm -hmm. And we've watched a significant number of uh, um, a decrease in the suicide threats just by learning them and being able to educate them and be there for them. And so your job with the aftercare never stops. You know, it is a 24-7 job and it can be very heavy at times. How are you able to stay energized and encouraged to keep the course? I think the most important thing is to remember who you're doing it for Mm. and to continue to be refreshed spiritually so that when the adrenaline rush comes, when that you are able to walk through it in God's strength and not your own strength. Mm. And and I think that is uh, incredibly important because many of the calls will come in the middle of the night and your phone's ringing and... uh, and again, God's kind of given me professions that uh, that's the way it is. Uh, as a funeral director, I responded when the phone rang. As a pastor, my pastoring style was if somebody was going to the hospital at midnight, I was there with them. I wasn't going to wait till the next morning. Uh, I just responded to the need as it was. And that's, that's my idea of pastoring might be not be others, but... That's what I do, and so, but I have to do it in God's strength. I have to make sure that I am prayed up, uh, that I've been in God's word, and that I can walk through it in a way that would glorify Him and remember He's my purpose. Mm-hmm. 
And your wife, Karen, has been very involved with the couples as well. You two have worked together, correct? Yeah, she's she's amazing. I mean, we're celebrating 37 years together. Mm-hmm. Um, we did go to kindergarten together, but mm-hmm. we re-met. And, and as we walked through that process, uh, she... We each have our experiences that, again, the credentials I talked Mm -hmm. about earlier that Mm -hmm. God has given us. I've had cancer twice. That is one of the most helpful credentials I've ever had. We have a number of our couples that are Mm -hmm. dealing with cancer with either themselves or their kids, and we use that. My wife's experience of being a caregiver for a mom who turns 95 next month and has Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and... uh, uh, it's amazing how that helps us to relate after trying to take care of our, mm-hmm. her in our home. That helps us to have understanding and compassion for the caregivers. And, uh, and my wife has been ill for a mm-hmm. lot of years, so we know the challenges with doctors and diagnosis. And, and so with all these credentials, with parenting five girls, uh, <laughs> Uh, God's blessed us, and she is a tremendous woman of the word, and uh, she doesn't give advice. She gives God's word, hmm. and uh, nothing's open for discussion when it's God's word. Mm-hmm. It's this is the truth, and this is how you need to respond. So uh, it's amazing working side by side, and OHOP gives me the opportunity to do that with my wife, and uh, it's amazing how the tag team works. Mm-hmm. And how do you guys balance um, balance that without it overwhelming or taking over your your time together? Well, we value every minute that we have together, and we use it wisely. Uh, we've always worked as a team, right down with uh, when the seven of us, my five daughters and myself, were together. We knew how to work as a team. We had something called the 10-minute tidy when we knew somebody was showing up at our home, and and we could get a home looking spotless in 10 minutes if uh, if we were just being family because of the situation, but we've always been able to rally together and work as a team and, and get whatever we needed to do done. But uh, our times of travel, our times of being with OHOP couples are, are really special times for us to grow, too. And when we look at what's going on in other people's lives, sometimes God speaks to our own lives and shows us areas that we need to correct and areas that we need to grow in. So it's, you know, serving Christ is 24-7. It's mm-hmm. not eight hours and then figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your time. So we're never bored. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that Karen is ill. How yes. are you able to balance caring for your wife and then caring for these couples? Well... <laughs> She, she is an amazing woman. She is an independent woman. She's been uh, critically ill for uh, 30 years. Uh, 20 years ago, Cleveland Clinic said there's not much we can do. Uh, when we came back from the OHOP reunion this year, both of us came down with uh, type A flu. And the doctor basically has told her that... Uh, uh, you're a ticking time bomb. You can go at any time, and uh, your lungs have degenerated to the point that there's nothing medically we can do than try to uh, work with the symptoms, and that's where we're at. But uh, we've had a family joke through all these years because there's times when she's hemorrhaged from her lungs and things, and if you ask her how she is, she'll say, I'm fine. And uh, my son-in-law, right after this last bout where, you know, in a lot of ways it's day-to-day and, and we just don't know, 
Um, my son-in-law wrote her and said, I know, Mom, you're fine, but how are you really? <laughs> and her response was, I'm fine. If I take my last breath today, I'll be with Jesus. How could I not be fine? And, and it's just real clear that's the way we live because we don't know. And again, the funeral experience, we've seen people are completely healthy and gone the next day. And so we're all terminal. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us closer than others, but uh, a couple weeks ago, we went down to Camp Lejeune, and my wife came with me, and she said, you know, she said, I can rot at home, or I can go and serve Jesus and, and love on these couples. She said, I'm, I'm, I'm going with you. And she did, and, and it was vital, and God, I didn't want her to go, but God confirmed it in the middle of our display time at Camp Lejeune as we were ministering to all the couples and potential alumni, a gentleman showed up that was not one of our OHOP couples and showed me a picture of a bullet and started crying. And I had to leave from the display and spent two hours with him because that was a bullet from a misfired gun mm -hmm. from the week before when he tried to take his life. Mm -hmm. And so I walked him through that time and meanwhile my wife was in the other room just doing whatever and as soon as we finished i got her back to the hotel and she was out for the night she just used up all her strength but you know that's that's how i want to go mm -hmm. is that you know let's just keep serving him with with every strength we have and and that's her attitude and i love i love to watch her act out her faith is there a particular scripture that keeps you centered uh, or encourages you as you as you deal with these couples and with your wife and her illness? Yeah, there is. And and it really is my life scripture. It's one that I've had to rely on. I I am a people pleaser. I love to make people laugh. I love to uh, encourage people. I love to be with people. And so this verse is the one that keeps me founded where I need to be. It's uh, out of Galatians 1.10. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So each situation I go into, I need to remind myself, Christ is in the center, and I serve these couples because mm -hmm. of Christ, and, and that keeps me centered. Mm-hmm. And I know there are probably so many stories um, you can tell, and I've, I've witnessed many, um, but can you share a story of an Operation Healer Patriots couple that's made an impact on you? There are, there are so many, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm overwhelmed by them. Uh, one in particular, and, and we've got permission to share mm -hmm. this, and, and so I have no problem, but uh, uh, the Hosey family. Uh, John was blown up and uh, uh, with his battle buddy, and they came back and recovered in a hospital in Texas together. And uh, he's got a rod in his leg, and, and, he, and he just has uh, really messed up in a lot of different ways. But yet, when he went to Alaska to OHOP, he found a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he and his wife, as they came home, they uh, established their family as a Christian home, got involved in a local church, and just uh, just really sought to honor God. 
a little over a year ago after our OHOP reunion, John called me and said, Pastor, and I don't use the term chaplain, I use the term pastor just because I don't want people to think I'm a poser and I have military background even though I am a chaplain. But he said, Pastor, uh, I need help. I sense God's calling me into full-time ministry, and I really need you to help me with it. And I said, look, John, I'd love to. Let me disciple you. Let me, let me help you work through the call. Let me give you some uh, uh, help to start you on this journey so we can figure out God's will and how you can uh, find this out. Just a couple weeks after that phone call, uh, John and his battle buddy that he was blown up with uh, were going on a hog hunt down in Texas. They went up in the helicopter. As they were up in the helicopter, it crashed from 65 feet above. John was pinned under the helicopter. His buddy was on the other side. He had broken his back and was dangling above him. And uh, here they were again together. And John has always been praying for his buddy, that his buddy would receive Christ and know Christ, and, and we're still praying today for that. But this time, John went through his injuries with Christ as opposed to what happened the time before. Mm -hmm. uh, the first call he made was to his pastor at his church, and the pastor rallied everybody around, and before the wife knew what was happening, the church was there serving, loving on the family, getting everything in place, and they were making it so that she could get to the hospital to be with him. John was pretty messed up from the crash, and uh, the second phone call he made was to me and just said, uh, hey, I need prayer. I'm messed up. I'm hurting. This is what happened. And, and so I talked with him, prayed with him. Uh, he then called his wife to let her know and he had made sure everybody was in place so that when she received the call, she would be ministered to. And to watch the difference mm -hmm. in how they went through tragedy without Christ and tragedy with Christ was absolutely amazing. John has now moved to Texas to go to Bible college and is pursuing how he can further... Um, live out his mission that Christ has given him. He's been preaching in churches. He actually rep represented Samaritan's Purse at a local uh, fundraiser in Atlanta and, and went up and gave his testimony. And uh, it's just an amazing couple to watch how God has transitioned them from who they were to now who they are mm -hmm. in Christ. That is incredible. I know I talked with his wife, and she, among many, the way they got their husband to Alaska, you know, they said, we'll get to go fishing and bear hunting and a little bit of session time, you know, and I think so many of these guys wouldn't come to something to hear about Jesus, but they'll come to Alaska. And so the Lord uses, you know, that special place to bring men and change them. Um, and, and he got off the plane mm -hmm. and there was this guy that greeted him and, and he really liked this guy. And this guy mm -hmm. was really, you know, down to earth. He was kind of cool, da, 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 da. And then when he found out it was Billy Graham's son, he about died, <laughs> you know, because he thought just some regular guy that's loving on us. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it was important for us to see us as, as family mm -hmm. instead of there's no, not one of us that's special other than being special in God's eyes. Mm -hmm. 
No, I know as a military spouse, this this ministry is so special to me, um, and I know specifically how to pray for these these couples and even just military couples in general. But can you give the audience? Is there a recurring trial or issue that they deal with? You know, how can we be praying for them just as they come back to reality of life? Yeah, I think so many of them have have a variety of addictions. Mm-hmm that affect their home and whether it's a spouse that's been left behind and has turned to the wine bottle or whatever else or whether it's uh it's the veteran that is uh, some of its addiction to uh prescription meds because just to stop the pain they fill them and and so there's addictions are huge in in all different kinds of addictions uh, those are huge, as well as, uh, in particular for the veteran, is finding a new purpose. Mm-hmm. And the purpose comes in Jesus Christ, because otherwise they lock themselves in their, in their man, man caves, get uh, ostracized from the world, and, and they just don't understand how much more God has planned for them. And when we can get them to see the purpose... It just it just changes their lives. So if we could pray about the addictions that come into mm-hmm. being, and then pray about purpose, and and uh, yeah, I guess in the reestablishment of the husband wife relationship. So that's kind of a mm-hmm. a lot of prayer requests, but we need a mm-hmm. lot of prayer. Mm-hmm. No, I just wanted our audience, you know, for those that yeah. don't know military and and just the survivors mm-hmm. guilt that they live with, you know, forever. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite movies is Saving Private Ryan. You know, when Tom Hanks is dying, you know, he says, "Earn it," um, you know, mm-hmm. "Earn it" for the, these these guys. And I think that's true, but I also think Christ tells us differently. You know, surrender. You know, yes. give your life. Um, you don't have to prove yourself, or oh, you don't owe anything anymore. You know, and so for them to realize their identity is in Christ, and they don't have to prove anything anymore and, and overcome it. They need to surrender, actually. And I think that's so and, hard for some of these guys. And there's freedom mm-hmm. in surrender. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to share a story, over this last week, I was away dealing with a death, and my wife was home alone. And she has a need to understand. Mm-hmm. And so she was researching her illness. And when I came home on Sunday afternoon, we had a kind of intimate conversation, and she said, you know, I did all this research, and it's pretty clear I have a terminal illness. And I said, I know that. Mm -hmm. And she said, but it's been freeing for me because I was doing all this research and trying to figure out what I needed to do, and the Spirit just told me, just surrender it Mm -hmm. to me. Just give it to me. And she has found new freedom in the acknowledgement of that. And mm-hmm. so in the same respect with our veterans, surrender I know is a dirty word, mm-hmm. but surrender to God is not because mm-hmm. that's when full freedom comes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Pat, for joining me today. And OHOP goes through September, correct? Yes. We have, we're only not even halfway through. Right. So the audience, if you could be praying for um, our staff and for the new couples coming through. Um, but then also the aftercare staff, as Pat's explained, you know, it's ongoing. And this is a family that we care for for life. And I think that mm-hmm. is something that when Operation Healer Patriots began, that was their vision, was to walk mm-hmm. with these couples. They are always with us. So continue to pray, pray for the Fleming family. And we just thank you again for joining us today. Thank you for your prayers and your support. Mm-hmm. And uh, such a privilege being part of the SP family. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. Mm-hmm.
Thank you, audience, for listening. Please be praying. In fact, I just would like to pray right now for our OHOP um, team. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for Pat sharing his heart, and I thank you for the aftercare program. And Lord, just the way that they minister to these couples, because we know um, it just never ends. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just give them the encouragement, the endurance, the wisdom, and again, as he said, just the word, the scriptures um, to give them instead of advice. We want to give them the word. And so, Lord, I pray for these couples. I pray for everybody that's been through, Lord, that you would just strengthen them as they come home. And um, the mountaintop experience is so wonderful, but we, we live in a valley. And so I pray mm-hmm. that they would just use the tools and resources um, to carry them through. And, Lord, to become a pillar in their community and an encouragement to their peers and, and their sphere of influence that only they can reach. So, Father, we pray for the couples that are continuing to come each week. A new group of 10 couples comes. I pray for these couples. I pray that you would prepare their hearts. I pray that you would just um, break down the walls and the barriers and allow them to to find Christ and healing. So we pray for this ministry. We thank you for what you're doing. Um, And, Lord, we just pray for the staff, for the endurance, for the summer through the September month, that you would be with them. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Thank you.